Hi, and welcome back to episode seven of the Collaboration Chronicles. I'm Mitch Greenfield, joined by my co-host Nick Stamos and our special guest tonight. In addition, we have a live demo. In the last few episodes, we've been talking about modern collaboration. And one of the elements of modern collaboration is labels. So Chuck, what's the secret to labels? The school of hard knocks is, is probably, uh, you know, you were there for a lot of it. I know Mitch, Mitch has been exposed to a lot of it. I mean, we, we, we've had our journey as well uh, in, in large uh, enterprise complex environments with uh, content inspection and information rights management and all, all those kinds of things. Uh, file encryption and key management that goes along with that at scale. I mean, I mean, we've been we've been down the road uh, on this thing. But what I wanted to try now that we had we had made a commitment to O365 was I wanted to try to create something that is very simple and that the user doesn't have to worry about unless it is a very specific type of scenario. In other words, it's automated as much as possible, but it's automated in such a way that favors the capability of the of, of the content discovery and labeling technology. So I'm trying to play favorites to the sweet spot of the technology itself so that I can automate it for the masses of the users and, and, and leave enough wiggle room in there to be reasonable risk managers of content. And what I mean by that is most often where I, where I saw bad, uh, bad experiences and failures was we tried to be too accurate with content discovery when the content discovery technology did not really have that capability. So we we stretched the discovery and 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 and, uh, and labeling capabilities of the technology. Some could say that we read the marketing material and we believed it, and that was to our discredit, right? Uh, but in this case, what I wanted to do was I wanted to uh, do something simple, and what we essentially did was we were looking for uh, content that is uh, readily discoverable by the technology and we're trying to set a, a threshold lever just one lever one setting that says below this count of records i'm really just going to get out of the way i really don't care if this many records uh, are, are are in this transmission or in this communication if email or whatever it might be i'm just going to get out of the way i'm going to log it and i might look at it from an analysis perspective later in a reactive kind of way but I'm not going to bother with trying to be too accurate. And that gets rid of all the tuning and all the false positives that your uh, technology uh, you know, creates when you try to discover things. Uh, and then secondly, if it's above that threshold count of matches, uh, then I'm going to use a very simple uh, enabling technology. In this case, it's, it's your technology, right? Uh, uh, with eShare, but it could be any, it could be other technologies too, not any, but it could be other. Um, the, to, to allow the, the actual transaction to go forward in a business enabling kind of way, but I'm going to withhold the actual security uh, control element until the time the risk is actually about to occur, and that's at the time of access. So it then it allows all the communications to go as if the user is getting business done, uh, and then when the when the uh, high risk event is about to occur, which could occur at any point downstream after the transaction was initiated, uh, only when the when when that risk event is about to occur do we apply the security, and that makes the security very laser focused, between an identity and the content that is above my threshold of risk acceptance, with the context and the timing factors built into it, right? So the context might be, 
if, if a user sends 10,000 records in an email attachment to a doctor's office in California, right, I'm making this stuff up, um, and we'll let it go out, even though it's above my threshold. But if the doctor's office happens to have a Gmail identity, when they go to access it, they won't be able to access it because it's coming from a public email domain. But if they happen to have an email domain that I have a contract on file for a, a HIPAA business associate, that's a very healthcare specific kind of thing. But um, I, you know, I know that in advance. We will allow them to access that because they're a protected, covered entity in the healthcare sector with a domain identity that is trusted. So I can get totally out of the way of that whole transaction, and the user and the provider never knew that I was involved from a security protection standpoint. So just to be clear, right, two things to just clarify to folks that haven't thought about this deeply. So first of all, when you're sending an email with a traditional attachment, um, the attachment is static. You do an evaluation, you make a judgment, you call it a day, right? When you're sending around links, right, links point to things that are not static and can continually change. Right. So you have to basically make that decision at the point of access. Right. In terms of number one, number two, uh, the item that you said is that I don't care. This is not specific to healthcare. Every organization has something that they consider regulated or sensitive. Every organization has a vetting process for vendors. Right. That they consider sensitive uh, or, or dealing with sensitive information. So having the concept of an allow list of vendors that I spent tons of money vetting anyway um, and leveraging that. Um, isn't just for healthcare or BAAs. It's really for any organization that vets any sort of vendor uh, in terms of what's there. So uh, one last thing. So uh, one other thing that you did and what's different than other organizations is you believe that every single document should have a label, right? Um, and in fact, you had a particular order. You had four labels that you defined for your organization. With MIP, you have the, the order in which you define the labels is important. So there is a hierarchy that you define when you define these labels. And most people would consider it, and I think your hierarchy is something like, the, the, you know, something like public, you know, internal, you know, let's call it confidential low and confidential high, something like that, right? Or regulated low, regulated high. But the bottom line is, instead of starting at public, right, by default, like most people would assume, you chose to start at internal, right, by default and let people downgrade to public if they want to if they want all the controls removed right and that in that particular scenario but microsoft does a nice job and gives you the ability to ask the user for business justification so you're only bothering the user when they choose to downgrade something in terms of what's there um, what made you take that approach and 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 uh, and uh, what uh, you know what what enlightened you to that sort of uh, difference in, in strategy well, once we figured out that we could give a very robust, good, and secure user experience to sharing information uh, via links and, and the cloud and that sort of thing, uh, then, then that allowed us to sort of flip the, uh, uh, flip the risk equation around and the user interaction uh, uh, equation around a little bit to say, look, if we can protect confidential data and, and identify it within a marginal threshold that we that we can easily slide you know the scale on to our, our risk and uh, operational uh, needs, then the real idea here is how can this work against us, right? How can this get in the way of business or or disenfranchise the users or cause a large uh, scale security or privacy incident, right? And so the idea there was, well, unlabeled documents, right? 
because if 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 we have a document come through the system and it's never been seen before by our labeling technology, our scanning and, and identification uh, technology, then how do we know what's in it? And so by by knowing that we are scanning every document or seeing every document from a security and, and uh, privacy and risk management perspective, uh, we should leave a fingerprint on that document so that our control policy engines that are actually managing the risk for us technologically speaking, it can have a positive confirmation that that file has been evaluated by our technology. And then therefore it can have a trust factor against the content. And if it can have a trust factor against the content, it can manage the risk. Otherwise, if you have a, a large proportion of your documents that are unscanned, you have to do things like we try to do in the past, which is to say, if it's not labeled, I've got to treat it like it's the top secret piece of information, even though it might be a grocery list that you're sending to your wife. You know, I don't know, right? It's just unlabeled. So uh, that causes a bunch of friction then because you treat unknown information at the highest security level by default. And that's not very accurate at all because it turns out very small percentages of information are are large enough volume or, or the right kind of content to really require the highest level of security. Uh, and I think that's true in most companies, right? Most companies have like a very specific set of uh, intellectual property or resources. Uh, so in, in that way, we could we could go through and label everything that's internal. And, and because of the technology that we're, we're using to allow people to share that, they can still share that information quite, quite freely, actually. Uh, and it's very rare that they would say, I need to downgrade something internal to public because I'm sending it to some very highly untrusted kind of domain, right, or identity. And we never let them downgrade something that is confidential, right? If we say it's confidential, it stays confidential. So that's, that's off limits, right? But if it's internal... Uh, yeah, you, you you might get to downgrade it, right? And and it's easy to do, but you probably won't have to downgrade it given the way that we've enabled you to share that internal information. But it's very important fundamentally that we, we find and classify every file because if we can't label those files based on our content technology, then we've got an unknown. And from a risk management standpoint, an unknown is, is never a good thing. Great. So, so, so the point of having a label, right, in summary, is that you, it tells you that it get evaluated and that it's not sensitive. So it's not the fact that it's public or the fact that it's internal means that it's not confidential low or not regulated low and not regulated high. And that's the critical component, right? And, and, and that's just... Right. So that makes the implementation binary in right. a sense, right? Uh, it's either confidential or not confidential, and that's that's the big uh, operational risk management point for us. And we automate the confidential, and we automate the, the non-confidential, right? So everything gets automated, and the user only has to, to do something manually on, in very rare circumstances. I was going to say, uh, we promised we'd do a demo, um, and so we have Chakra here uh, to give us a demo in a test environment. We'll, we'll try to keep it to hopefully you know five or six minutes. Um, it's our first time doing a demo, we're working it out. Um, if, we, if people really like it, comment, we'll do more demos. Uh, if people really want it, and if we get more than, uh, let's say, 100 likes, we'll do a whole episode on how to configure what you're about to see, if, if that's sort of what folks want. Uh, but we'll start with something simple. It's our first time, and, and um, Chakra, why don't you uh, share your screen and, and just give us a little bit of an overview. Maybe start with the Compliance Center, how you set up labels, and then just a, a quick examples of, uh, of how they're implemented and, and, and how auto, uh, the default labels are applied and labels get escalated. 
So what you see here is a screenshot of my, um, this is my organization's compliance center where we do have multiple labels that are predefined and there's criteria that is assigned to these uh, documents based on variety of factors. But every document that is created within the tenant uh, gets automatically labeled. And if there is content that, uh, in the, that is added to the document, it gets content inspected by um, uh, MIT. And if the content criteria that we, we are looking for, if it matches, uh, the, the label gets uh, upgraded. But by default, every new document gets assigned a, a, an interim, a very um, low-level label because there's nothing uh, sensitive found in the document. At the very top, um, as you can see here in the priority and order, the highest one is a manually classified uh, document, meaning users uh, who are conscious, who know what that document is, and they want to make a conscious decision saying that they, they, that particular uh, document needs to be protected. Uh, they can pick that label and, and assign uh, it to it manually, and that triggers a whole lot of downstream control uh, along the way. So having said that, so how does this, this label structure uh, manifest itself when users are working on it? The key thing that we applied here is users are never interrupted. They don't need to make any decision on what uh, label needs to be assigned to any document. Things just happen on behind the scenes as the user is working on the document and uh, the, the content is detected and, and, and the label gets automatically changed or assigned. So um, now that we have defined these labels, so how does it look like when you're in you're working as an end user? If you go to your um, your general productivity suites, right? So this is I'm in in my own OneDrive, and I go pick um, my regular uh, options. If I go to create a new Word document, for instance, and um, I'm going to, as you know, but um, this because this is Office Online, the document is automatically saved. And now I haven't done anything here, right? I just opened a document and I put some content in here. Uh, and uh, the document is saving. Now it's saved. But unknown to me or without me doing anything explicit here, the document is has automatically been content inspected and, uh, and, and uh, has been assigned a label. You can see here, this document is assigned a, a label of unrestricted because there was nothing sensitive found in this document. On the other hand, if the document had indeed, if I did put in uh, uh, any type of sensitive information, for example, if I put in uh, things like credit card numbers, uh, social security numbers, and, and any other type of data elements that are of interest and that need to be protected, uh, based on my organization's uh, uh, security requirements, that would trigger a uh, reinspection of the uh, the document's uh, uh, contents, and if the matching criteria is uh, found, it gets labeled. And as you can see here, because this document had has protected content in it, it's regulated data um, behind the scenes without me doing anything. The document content was inspected and it got assigned the label of regulated high because there's a lot of 
sensitive information in this document. Uh, obviously, this is mock data, nothing uh, sensitive, actual of, of interest here. So I think the, the point that you're making, Chakra, is around the uh, automatic classification, right, and how powerful it is. So when you, when you have sensitivity labels that drive automatic classification policies, they can then drive all these downstream controls with, with minimal user involvement unless you want it. Correct, exactly. And, and as, as an end user, I'm not bothered to make that decision as to what label do I apply? Do I give it high, low, medium? Right? That the burden has been removed away from me, and these are automated processes that kick in behind the scenes. And and I'm not an educated user. As an end user, I I just put do my work. The, the part of detecting the content and applying all those controls have been automated, as Jack was uh, alluding to earlier. Uh, there are a series of automatic controls, our trust factor that has been applied to this document. The first document I created. It had been inspected. The trust factor there was there was nothing sensitive found. The next document I opened up, there was sensitive document was already there and, and it got labeled and it got an elevated level of label, right? It's not unrestricted anymore. It is a restricted document. Um, but I, as an end user, didn't have to make that choice or a decision. I think I, I think an important uh, thing to, to, to um, you know, remind, you know, everyone here uh, uh, is... You, you you could do you could do this for a long time with a number of different content inspection and labeling technologies in the marketplace, but what they what happened was whenever the the user went to use the information or share the information or collaborate, it got in the way. If if this was a restricted or regulated uh, document, and you want to share it, then all of a sudden you get these blocking messages, and you get this uh, this so and so can't access it, and blah blah blah. You you know you're trying to give away a, a confidential or a regulated data, and that's where the thing f fell apart because the users rejected that notion, right? So it killed the technology project and 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 had, had to be rolled back. With this kind of approach, and now that we have the cloud and we have links that we can share, which the links in of themselves don't pose a risk. You can allow the business co collaboration communication transactions to go on and, and happen and wait until you get involved at the right moment with the right identities to say that, hey, this document's okay for you, but it's not okay for you. And then you can correct that in a much more business-friendly kind of way. So that, that is a very, very different model than, what, when, than just slapping a label on a file and then saying, hey, I've succeeded. Well, you haven't really succeeded. You're going, you're, it's going to fail. One more thing to add uh, to both you and, and to Mitch's point um, is that you're not burdening the user, but you're also not burdening IT. That sensitivity uh, widget uh, that you saw was not something that was installed. That's something that simply comes with Microsoft uh, 0365E3 that's built in, right? And with E5 comes automatic classification and labeling if, if you go to that. But the widget is there. It's there for all the browsers. It's there for essentially the FAT clients for Windows. It's there for OS X and Mac FAT client. Um, and you're not deploying anything. You're not installing anything. It's, it, it's built in, right? And it works natively to the compliance center with, uh, with you know, OneDrive and with SharePoint and with Teams. And it's not, it, even if you do content scanning, it's not burdening your servers. It's not burdening. It's Microsoft's problem, okay, in terms of, keeping up with it and scale and, and, and that type of thing. So 
you know, the, 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 the Microsoft, by taking full responsibility for it, and I think Shocker is going to show you in a second, even in emails, right, labeling is built into the system and it's consistent and it's available anywhere, anytime, any platform, any operating system, um, and no maintenance. So as an end user, uh, my, my typical productivity speed, any end user would, would typically work on documents that work on, on, on emails, right? So, um, or your SharePoint or OneDrive or Teams, no matter where the user goes and where they create this content, the way they, wherever they're looking to collaborate, same policy set, the same criteria can be applied. And that's the next example that I'm going to show here is I'm in my Outlook as an end user, I want to con uh, now compose a new message. Um, I just started my Outlook and, and said new message. And the moment I create a new message here, I click to create a new message. This message has also acquired that label. I didn't have to do anything. Now, if I choose to make, uh, I, as, a, as a, uh, an end user who is, let's say, well-educated and knows that I'm going to send something uh, sensitive here, I could manually label this document as uh, this message as well and, and and change the status but i don't have to right i i'm an ignorant user or i don't care or it doesn't matter to me so instead what i'm going to do here is um i'm going to just type a message and say hey here's uh and um say hey please review this uh, right and um i'm going to send it to to um, an external person. This I'm a back to trust employee, and I'm sending it to an external user. But this message at this point doesn't have any any anything sensitive in this, right? So I can simply click send, and it is going to go in plain text. However, if I were to do something, um, uh, add something sensitive to this document, for example. Uh, if I were to add some PII information or PHI or PCI type of data, uh, that should trigger an, a whole set of uh, uh, processes downstream after I click send. The content should be inspected. The, the, the sender should be detected. Who is the sender? What type of content is this? Who is the recipient? Is that a person authorized or that organization authorized to receive this type of data? And if that person is authorized, what type of controls should be applied to that recipient to be able to access the data itself. So an example of that is I'm just dragging a document over from my desktop as a regular user and, and a typical end user would do. And um, I can now go ahead and hit send. Now at this point, I have not made any conscious choice as to, hey, I need to send this securely, right? I, I, all I did was take a document, attach it to my email message and hit send. But what has happened along the way is the the, uh, the ecosystem that this organization has has uh, measures in place to look for content. The, who is the sender? Who is the recipient? What type of content are you sending? What type of label should be applied to this? The, the message or to the attachment, and then the the necessary control policies kick in. At this moment, instead of having delivered the the email message for uh, collaborating with this external person in, in this, this document, rather than giving the document away, the recipient has essentially just received a link to that document I shared. So that document has never left the premises and, and, and the possession, uh, the purview of this organization's tenant. 
So this file that I just shared via email is sitting right now within the Bank to Trust organization itself. I've not handed over that file to the recipient. And it's not sitting in that person's inbox. Thank you. Thank you, Shakra. These are great demos, and I think they really go to highlight some of the, uh, the unique features when you really are able to take data classification, tie it to labels, and automated classification, and then have unique controls like this that really um, are able to then protect the document. And, and I think the best part about what you uh, highlighted was the frictionless experience. Security did not add friction. It did not add effort. It did not make the experience confusing. It didn't make it feel non-native. It just kind of did its thing and, and you know, it was like air. It just was kind of there and you didn't have to worry about it. So, uh, you know, I, I didn't I think, get blocked. Yeah, and you didn't get blocked. All right. Yeah. No handcuffs. Well, no handcuffs. No, and I didn't get an informational message telling, hey, Mr. Brian, you attempted to send some document, and because it met our organizational criteria, um, it was sent securely, right? So, yeah. so that's, that's uh, information, confirmation coming back to me as a sender, and, um, and that's what the secure email confirmation is about. So we, we were just trying to show you a flavor, by no means to we educate you on how to do this, but the takeaway is it's doable, as Mitch said, it's doable in a frictionless way, in a simple way, without a negative end user experience and without exposing the data uh, in terms of a, a risk profile. So you can do it more securely, better, more efficient, uh, and, uh, and more business friendly in terms of what's there. If, uh, if folks really wanna know how to do this, please leave a comment. Uh, like I said, we'll go back and, and we'll maybe do a whole episode or two on how to really configure something like this, if, if that's of interest. Uh, but, um, but hopefully this gave people a, a slight clue and some hope that this is a problem that you can solve, uh, that large organizations uh, you know, have solved it in the middle of solving it, and it does scale, uh, and, uh, and, and you can have a positive experience uh, with links and with a modern collaboration experience. So I think with that, we'll uh, sort of uh, call it a night. Thank you very much, Chuck. Thank you, Chakra. I appreciate you guys, you guys joining us tonight. Thank you for having me, folks. And uh, thank you, Mitch. And, um, We'll uh, see you uh, on the next episode, and, and, and don't forget to comment.